Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. Welcome, you are listening to Women in Jazz. I am Louise Paley. And I'm Nina Fine. And on this autumnal day, we will be bringing you some exciting new releases, old gems. And later we have South London singer-songwriter, multi-instrumentalist and producer Plum joining us on the show. Stay tuned. What a beautiful track. That was the latest release from singer, multi-instrumentalist and producer Plum. It's been a really exciting year for her um, from being played by Giles Peterson, Jam Supernova, performing at Maidabelle Studios and so many more exciting stream gigs since March. Welcome Plum and thank you so, so much for joining us today. It is uh, a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you doing? Oh my God, hi. I'm good. I'm really good. I had a very autumnal weekend. I went, actually went pumpkin picking and I wore my biggest autumnal hat and yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time. You know it's got serious when you're wearing a big hat. Let's be honest. (laughs) Shit got got real. (laughs) That sounds bliss. Um, So yeah, as as I said, Plum, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, It's it's an honour to have you on the show. And I think really I'd just love to start from the very beginning for you. Um, And, you know, kind of your, I guess, like entry point into music and, and where it all started. Wow, yeah, I mean, okay, so I think music was obviously just such a massive part of my life from day one. I did the whole choir thing, the timpani and the orchestra and etc. And then, I don't know, I think I've always had this like lineage of I'm going to do music, I'm going to make music. And then I guess, yeah, I started composing my music when I was like 14, 15, and then it started... It started blossoming from there, I guess. Um, yeah, I've been on this sort of journey of like musical exploration, let's call it, <laughs> ever since. Nice. And and what kind of stuff were you were you composing at such a such an early age? I mean, funny enough, I was creating quite a lot of jazz when I was much younger. Um, it's always like minor timbres, you know, everything was very dark, which was kind of like, I've sort of kept that going. Um, I, I would originally start on piano and percussion and then, yeah, and then I would sort of evolve into a lot more bluesy stuff. And then, and then I sort of went into this um, North Indian style um, that I was influenced by uni. And then now, yeah, then now I'm sort of thinking about like the idea of just instrumentalizing the vocals you know and sort of not having a set genre to 
to lead me um yeah and where yeah. does that playfulness of your voice come in the um the expanding and, and finding out the instrumental parts of the voice where 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 did that start for you I think it definitely okay so it started when I listened to Corn. <laughs> there's, there's this band and there's this one song um called Freak on a Leash and in like the second chorus or something um the lead singer just goes crazy and so it creates this like super percussive like and I was like pause it wait go back and then that's how weirdly enough I sort of found like the jazz scat because it was like taking this idea of like you know not seeing the vocals as this very binary thing about being like you sing the melody line and then you stop and then you let the band continue you know it was very much like using and utilizing what this instrument that we have and then you know I found myself in loads of jams I mean the jam scene definitely brought me up into like my idea of improvising you know this sort of palette and space that I could exercise different like I always say like different characters within my vocals you know um and trying to like introduce the, all these people into the stage um and yeah and then I just I just really really enjoy texture you know like texture of music tones and stuff and being able to play with different different characters within the voice um and then so yeah and then improvising became just probably the biggest part of my musical life in my opinion I mean I would say I'm more of an improviser than anything now I think that's beautiful and you mentioned you mentioned rhythm and percussive elements and that's so apparent from the shared your your debut ep to the music you're releasing now with poor poor in the blue so where did that relationship with rhythm come from i know you mentioned that um during uni when you were studying uh what uh, ethnomusicology um you gravitated to north indian music but i'm i'm really interested where did that relationship with rhythm and percussive sounds uh come Ooh. from was it physical was it intellectual I think it was definitely physical I think I've always been attuned to um percussion and rhythm I mean I was I've been playing kit since I was super super young I think it was more that thing of like this child can't keep still <laughs> we need to give them either like something to hit or something like to run around <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah I think like even when I compose like I always start with the rhythm um when I improvise I always start with this idea of like uh yeah a pulse a beat like I'm very obsessed with the idea that he as humans you know we're so attuned to repetition like we are obsessed with it and the more something is repeated the more we are um able to like understand it and I think that is something which makes us like superhuman I mean rhythm bleeds through every part of every part of our culture I think like um and so yeah I think I just sort of found myself more and more addicted to the rhythms and but then you know not necessarily being a drummer and playing rhythm if that makes sense um and seeing myself as sort of a percussive singer and that's how I found tabla because tabla sort of blends the two of percussion and vocals because it's like a, a singing drum, I guess, you know, the more the more pressure that you put on the higher the pitch. And so everything is 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 linked now to pitch and rhythm. Um yeah, so I think that was I'm just on this like evolution of of percussion and sound and melody and how they all can interlock with each other. 
yeah and I, I I I'm really really interested to hear more about um your this kind of insight into into North Indian music and how you use that in your own music because obviously especially like Indian classical music like really kind of encompasses you know Pakistan and Sri Lanka Nepal um like loads of different countries and I'm just I'm just wondering if you can kind of enlighten us about your your love for this genre you know in addition to what we've been talking about which is rhythm you know what is it about um a North Indian music that that you kind of love so much and how have you brought that into your own practice Mm, yeah I think so I first sort of delved in when I was at college I had a really good um ethnomusicology teacher at Brit um and I think it was like you know that moment when you you feel so sure about music you're like I've got this and then you listen to something and it just changes your whole perception you're like wait but that doesn't sound wait but that's and then you realize that like our whole ears are just attuned to one like small bubble and I think with and because my sort of specialism was more into north north Indian specifically um so less like violin and more more sitar more tabla um and I don't know I was just like entranced by the way it made me feel the idea that you know melody and and the raga system everything is not just musical based it's also weather dependent you know mood dependent time of day very romanticized um and like i don't know it, it basically took me on this journey of sort of unlearning you know my ears and it was like learning music again and that's what sort of drew me to it i mean everyone sort of wants to challenge themselves um and then you know I started and then as soon as you start you realize oh my god I literally had like one toenail dipped in a sea of just like <laughs> the, the enormity of how much I can learn and obviously I'm so not in any way there and I don't think I will be if I dedicate my whole life to you know but I think my goal is to just try and have as much of an understanding and a respect for a musical lineage let's call it um in order to like you be because I'm super influenced by it but you know I do have that thing of like I don't want to be that that bait thing of just like oh I'm just gonna like play Indian music now I'm like you know it's very some it's something that I want to carefully um learn and manage within my musical understanding um and not just take from a musical you know a musical style um so i'm hoping you know just to just just to in in trance like ornaments and 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 tile cycles and and bits slowly now which i can actually feel like confident in using in my scatting or in my composition and then hopefully one day sort of find that balance between the two ears <laughs> that's a beautiful description and and there's there's such um such attentiveness and also intimate relationships between those different elements with which as as i'm listening there's there's multiple there's there's so many nuanced elements um and that does make me want to ask about you you, you spoke about unlearning from your ear and and relearning things that expanded your musical awareness and i want to ask how that applies to production mm. because when producing um, or certainly in my early stage experience um, 
it, the listening is such a different way to when I'm performing in a band or when I'm in a jam session and so on. So how, how's your ear training been in relation to your journey with production? Mm, that's a good question. I think what it's done is it's given me like that bird's eye point of view a bit more, you know, I've sort of like come out of the ground level of making and I'm sort of seeing my music now as like something which yeah I can just see from above I guess a bit more so in terms of like you know being able to look at the whole sound as a whole and being like okay what am I getting out of all these tones and these textures and these timbres and they for me like my my training has definitely given me a whole new palette of like tones and textures so that for me that's a big thing um and so for yeah for production I think it's it's actually made me it's actually made me go into less detail on the ground level in order to have more detail in the overview. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah, it really does. That's fascinating. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. really fascinating. And, and have there been particular discoveries that you've made through that process, whether it's sound discovery or just your personal practice? Mm, I think... Yeah, I think it's just like if, if there wasn't a discovery, I think it would be more interesting because obviously the more that we absorb, the more that we can then like feed that through everything that we do. So I think especially with production, I think I've learned like my voice a bit more because I'm accessing all these different parts of it that I would never have sort of thought of before. Um, and then I was reading in an interview when you were talking about the difference between recording and performing live, that the, the experience is like two species. And I just love that phrase. Absolutely mm -hmm. loved it. Um, and so I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to ask if you can tell us a bit more about your experience in these two spaces, because I've seen you perform um, when you've been looping different, different textures, um, especially in your track, Who Knows? And you used the word earlier, evolution. And in my experience of listening to your tracks, there is such evolution and growing of different textures. So I wanted to know, um, with that evolution, how that, how that relates to your experience when recording versus performing live. Mm. Oh my God, yeah. I, I do think it's, I don't know, because obviously when, when you're live and when you're recording, you've just got two different energies, you're in two different, maybe not headspaces as such. I mean, for me, like live, I feed off everyone in the room you know if it's like the instruments or the the crowds or whatever the, the crowds the stadiums <laughs> and, and the audience hello say. Wembley hello <laughs> jokes um so I think I I tried basically to bring that same energy into a recording studio and then was so shocked as to why I wasn't fulfilling that power and then when I sort of realized how different the, the the moods are I think it just made me see it just made me see it as like it's just not that deep if you want to have to uh how am I trying to word this I think I basically see them as two different parts of my musical journey I guess you know like you, you listen to recorded music for a specific purpose and you come see the show for a specific purpose like they don't have to have the same the same head to them um mm. 
and I think like that's an important thing if people make music which you know if you've got time and and you want to like record something and then read then go into the production and into the sound the soundscaping of it all I guess that's what makes that so much more like interesting than if I just had recorded something because it gives it its whole new purpose and a whole new way of of treating the music whereas when I'm live for me it's all like energy and and like building as many sort of sounds as I can through one channel whereas in recording you know I've got all these options to to layer up and to harmonize and to expand on this like again that bird's eye view sound whereas when I'm live I think about it as how am I as an individual able to create like the mass sound be it if I'm solo show or or if I'm you know in like a 14 piece whatever so I think like it definitely sort of changed it helped me so much seeing them as two species seeing them as two different things yeah it really helped now continuing with the theme of recording and hopefully soon to be live um i'd love to talk about your latest single pour in the blue um because there's so much that's going on in this track can you tell us what it's all about and i guess like what you're hoping to achieve with it mm, yeah so um pour in the blue yeah that came out um in september and i really i really like the track it's very because you know it's 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 actually sounds like the music that i was making in in i guess the ep you know much more colder but richer um and it's just something that is very not mournful but melancholic i guess um i actually wrote it on the day of the elections in november um that's why it's like pouring the blue the blue mm-hmm. flags etc etc um i just had i just went into the studio and i was just i don't know i just wanted to pour out <laughs> that's why it's called pour pour the blues pour out all this sort of the sad energy i guess um mm-hmm. and and yeah i think like i want to keep the balance between making making like upbeat almost i mean i'm making some dance music at the moment which is which is jokes I know, I know, why, you know, why not? Yeah. <laughs> but I really like sticking as well to that sort of rich um, and cold sound. Um, yeah. But I think people, you know, also do know me for for having. Um, yeah, and I'm really proud of it. And I think um, at the end as well, it's sort of, is in theme with a lot of, my music because it's like this idea of all these different sounds like whirling up into the sky and all these different textures like slithering all over each other um and that's something that I feel very um I'm very drawn to in all my music I always want to have an an element of that an element let's maybe let's call it scatting or or Mm. texture building or something nice and you're you're also in the midst of writing an album is that right yes I've begun I just thought yeah I'm, I'm I'm giving it some time I'm about five songs in and it's basically this exploration of like finding like seeing the voice as an instrument so everything has this idea that like the vocals don't just sing like melody lines and words you know they, they make up the drums they make up like the sustained string lines or like 
you know, I really want, and I, there's going to be a choir, <laughs> obviously. Um, so yeah, it's it's in the making, but I'm not going to be like, oh, it's coming out this time. It's, yeah. So plant one of the things you know you're speaking about the this difference of being um, you know in a smaller project or being in a 14 piece band and. You're, you, you've been in lots of different beautiful collaborations from the Levitation Orchestra um, to um, creating with uh, Mauricia Osu and, and also Bienvenue. So I wanted to ask how collaboration feeds, feeds you as a musician and is it, yeah, is a factor of what you do? Mm, it feeds me so much. I think like if I had to always do one thing in music, it's to collaborate. I think it's um, for me, especially funnily enough that I feel like that's where the line is between the live and the recorded, like the idea of collaboration, because, you know, when I think when I hear the word collaboration, I see a jam um, with like loads of people on stage making music, like finding that one goal, you know. Um, so I, I just love it so much because like being able to share like what you give to the table and someone else and then you sort of eat this feast together I think because you know that that then makes it something that you wouldn't be able to replicate on your on your own so I think it's just like the perfect example of like a conversation that you've been wanting to have for ages and it just so happens to be art I love, the moment you said feast I was like oh I know exactly <laughs> what this experience is now I can resonate yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true like music is food and food is music I think um I just I love that correlation between eating and making music like you know we even say you know we're cooking up something good like we're having a feast and that that's like making a beat you know I think I think it's it's respected in the same in the same sort of way I, I love that I love how just before we started recording you were talking about how you've been making different vegan dishes and um and then the the, the correlation between improvising on the food front and with recipes and so on and improvising in music it it's endless we could we could talk about that for ages yes, yes. <laughs> oh, that, that's for a whole other interview um, <laughs> cooking with plum I swear um, oh my god I'm here for and it. and so you've got the jazz cafe gig you're supporting Chimino, Chimino um and how are you feeling about going into a live setting? Is this your first one since lockdown? What's going to happen? A real life gig, guys. Can't believe it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So this is the first, the first proper live show, um, in the in the flesh. Um, and it's it's really weird because it's so six months exactly prior to so the twenty first of April. I was supposed to be doing my headline show with the Massive Attack show. So six months after, I've now got this show so let's fingers fingers crossed it doesn't get cancelled but I'm really excited so I'm going to be doing my solo vocal pedal show which is something that lockdown you know I was able to work on um because I have you know I have like a two-piece a trio and it goes up to like nine to ten um people in the plum in the plum band and so doing something solo is just nice to you know have something to work on that I can only rely on like myself to turn up to rehearsals and stuff and like you know work on in in a lockdown situation um and yeah so the the gig is going to be oh, i think the gig is going to be really really good because um tim's music is is 
is like how I see my vocal pedal set in a couple years time. Like, so he's got his drum kit, um, and then each drum is triggered to a different sample or a different, um, yeah, trigger. And it's like building this, I, this sound wall, you know, and I think that's something that I'm, I'm doing with the textured vocal beats. Um, so I'm excited and I love Jazz Cafe and yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. A real life gig, a real life human. Yeah. We're yeah. so excited. We are. Oh. Also... <laughs> um, <laughs> now, um, Plum, before we uh, depart from you today, um, we asked you to choose a couple of tracks um, and uh, yeah, we'd love for you to give a bit of insight into what those tracks are and why you chose them. Mm, okay. So I chose the first track, my absolute fave, Nina Simone, um, Funky Than a Mosquito. I just, I had to pick a Simone tune because she's just one of my biggest influences in the world. It's phrasing, it's all about phrasing with me and Nina. Um, and this song, this song is just so great. Like, I love the energy and I love, mm. I don't know, I just think it's just perfect. I think it's perfect, basically. <laughs> I think it's a perfect tune. Um, and then, and then I chose Goldfrapp, um, Dear Stop, which Alison Goldfrapp is like, she, she's a really big inspo of mine as well in terms of the complete other side, the sort of electronic side and still very textured, um, singer, not, not in terms of like improvisation and stuff, but more, more just, I don't know. I think she does see her voice as an instrument. Um, yeah in that way too which I really resonate with um so yeah I just wanted to pick two two tracks which were very different to each other but in my opinion I have the same energy in terms of my inspirations nice we can't we can't wait to hear them um now for those few people that don't know about you um we would uh love to point them in the right direction how can people find out about you on your socials your website and also um if it's up yet uh, get tickets to the jazz cafe gig yeah so i my music is on spotify and bandcamp it's all p-l-u-m-m and then um my socials my Facebook is just Plum and um, my SoundCloud. And then I've also got Instagram, which is plum.sass. So check me out. And I've got, you know, I'll be posting about the tickets and, and all the new bits happening this year, guys. I've been having. Thank you. Yes. We're so excited. <laughs> okay. So here is Funky Than a Mosquito by Nina Simone, followed by. Dear Stop, thank you so much for being with us, Plum, and we can't wait for the gig. Thanks so much for having us. I'm, you know, I'm a big fan. Thank you.